0: What up, world? Once again, y'all here. Free advice is set free, and um, happy y'all already logged on, clicked on the link, and um, hope y'all about to enjoy the show. I'm with somebody that um, I have a lot of respect for, and um, I, I see a lot of potential beyond the legendary things that he already has done. It's uh, maven the culture to me. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, if they if they're a professional in one thing the world try to put them in a box and say they're only great at that one thing and um I don't look at things like that so without further ado um welcome my man Smoke Dizza, to Free Advice really 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 my brother man big bro
1: thanks for having me here man you know this is it's going to be like a regular phone conversation for us but um you know for people to hear it actually is it's pretty dope for them but uh
0: <laughs> it's, nah, it's true. It's funny, you know. man, because it's like I, I have a rotation of like people I call um randomly in certain mornings and I know you popped up on a, a couple of those calls and mm-hmm. um it's real. I think I should just record my phone conversations and make them podcasts. Yeah, episodes. them should be the Ellis. But nah, uh, yeah, man, it's um you know, it's new year, new start, man, and um I was like who a lot of the people I'm going through it while even I'm starting my podcast, like I was saying in the intro is that just because you're an MC, you know I, I look at you inspire and touch a generation generations of people to be great in a couple things. Right. Um, so, you know, free advice. The show is pretty much about your journey. Uh, people get to listen and um, take advice just from your story. And right. also, I want to p- point out some key moments through your career that you took advice from people, and then also that you gave advice. Hmm. Um, because a lot of people they you know, we all, we always see the end result. We don't you might see the recording, you might see the, the 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 booth or getting the tracks, but you don't they might not know what you went through to get that beat. Absolutely. Um clear that sample. Or the advice like, yo, Dizzy, don't use that. They cost too much or and right. like so I wanna I really wanna be painting a picture of the journey. Um it's not about current events, it's you know, it's mm-hmm. more you, the greatest thing in life is a story. Absolutely. And Priceless. You know, a lot of people don't get to tell their stories in the truest form. So I want to um kind of start from the beginning, man. You know, I think when Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall did Harlem Knights, they should have called you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I have a couple people that, uh, for my rap friends, I I look at you, Jones, Cam, y'all the Harlem Knights to me. right? You know? <laughs> but um how was it, man, like? Just growing up in Harlem as a as a sh- like a little youngin'. I mean, growing up in Harlem for me was fun.
1: It was um you no, know, I came up in the skate key era. Mm. So, you know, skate key when it was in the Bronx, like uh right there over the bridge, like one forty uh ninth, I believe, like uh Grand Concourse, I wanna say one thirty eighth I I forget the street, but like the early essence of the skate key where, you know, Harlem and the Bronx Had issues. Mm -hmm. So the niggas from Patterson would be chasing Harlem niggas across the bridge. Mm. Vice versa. Like that was probably the most aggressive type of shit growing up, just seeing outside of rap. Like this is before, this is pre-battle era. This is before, you know, we figured out. Before hip hop was a global thing. But for me, I mean it was always a global thing. Because I mean, you know, Skakey, like for us was fucking I'm 35 so skate key for us was like 96 97 okay. you know what I mean that's that's when it that's when it was lit for us for my age group for the dj web stars mm. of the world and shit like that like the the coolgie giveaways and shit he used to do at the, <laughs> at the key and all that and have it turned up but um you know uh from there to just being on a battle rap scene before it got commercial like before Like um the smack DVDs and shit, Mm -hmm. like you know, running around battling niggas like Verse. Shout out to Verse, wherever he is in the world, and fucking uh Fred Fred the Godson was out there around that time, Mm -hmm. like um Shells, T Rex, like you know all of them. Yeah, Immortal Technique, like me and Immortal Technique met from battling fucking. Damn near twenty years ago. Wow. You know what I mean? Like for a fucking two way pager. <laughs> you the know silver what I mean? one or the gray like one though? The, the 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 silver joint.
0: Okay, so that was the yeah, y'all that was a real battle then.
1: Yeah, yeah that was a real battle. The shit was like five hundred at yeah, that time. Totally. Yeah. Right. So, you know, coming from that to where I'm at now, you know, it's it's because I have seen a lot of shit change and I've been a part of a lot of eras and just, you know, just seeing how the infrastructure works with you know, how the game done change. the format done change. Mm-hmm. the way you got to maneuver change. It changes totally. every year. but Every month, couple months Every now. month now that, yeah. yeah, you know, we in this
0: digital era, but, you know, yeah. So, you know, growing up, like, of course you was a fan of hip-hop, but growing up, is that what you wanted to be, or was it ever any inkling in your mind, like, you know, I want to own a car wash, I want to, you know, I want to... Do you have other dreams or aspirations growing up? Yourself? I never wanted to do
1: nothing else. I mean, I think um, when I was like in grade school, like, you know, my parents, my granddad wanted me to be a doctor automatically from the jump. Like, wow. that was his vision for me. Dr. Sean Pompey. Wow. You feel sounds me? Sounds dope, though. They sounds super dope. It's will ring to it. <laughs> but, you know, like, for me, like, growing up in private school and, and shit like that, like, and then going to public school is like a culture shock.
0: Mm.
1: You know, you had all them years in being uniform. Like, and I say that in being in a uniform, but being uniform, like a certain way of maneuvering in school, like being taught a certain type of program, like, you know, where it's, it's a it's a culture shock going from private school to public school. Mm. You know, anybody that's been to both places could just say like, all right, bet you go from you know going to chapel every morning wearing a uniform kind of like a strict code of structure to kind of like the free world mm. where you wear what you want to wear you know if you late the class you late the class they send cut cards and and it's more intimate in private school at least that was my experience so for going there like it opened me up to more shit and being creative. I used to play basketball, so you know, at one point I did want to go to the NBA. But then when I woke up from my hoop dream and realized, okay, I'm not going to be 6'5", <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, and I'm not the most athletic person even before I gained weight. I was I wasn't still, dunking the basketball. You feel me? I I knew I wasn't going to be able to match up to the, the Andre Barretts and Andre Sweets and the yep. The Francisco Garcias of the world, yeah. you feel me? So I knew, you know, I had a way with words and battling and having a crowd in the first my first battle, um, having a crowd and seeing how people gravitate, gravitated towards me and just I liked how that felt, and you know, just working at my craft and doing it more and more and more, you know, that was my thing and. That was like 13, 14. So now I'm fucking about to be 36 and I'm a professional rapper that goes by the name of Smoke Dizza. It's like, okay, well, I guess those times shopping in my sword actually paid off. So
0: that, that actually takes us right into the next phase of like, when to you, because it's, it's a lot of ways that everybody's career changes to them. You know, sometimes it... You meet somebody, that could be a moment that'd be like, yo, I'm at a different level now. Mm-hmm. A compliment could take you at a different yeah. level. The, the money could be a different level. Right. But when did it click for you that you was like, yo, I'm, I, it's real. I'm a professional now. I think it clicked for me when I got my
1: first check from Epic mm. from Sean Kingston because um, I was a writer on the project.
0: Self-titled Sean Kingston, the same album that Beautiful Girls was on. Okay, well now, on, and looking at that, do you that, that was a different profession, though, because that was a profession of, like, whoa, the craft- Like, my pen got me
1: here. Yeah, but the pen got you there mm-hmm. before the artist, really. Before the artist. Like, I wasn't even uh, Smoke Dizza, like somebody could recognize me as Smoke Dizza. Wow. At that time, like, I was a part of a group, Smoke and Numbers. Okay. And, you know, we did the mixtape- Shit, like the big mics and the K Slays mm-hmm. and fucking Ron G. Like, Ron G used to come get me from high school and take me to the studio every wow, you Friday. The best blend tapes ever. You feel me? Like, Ron, shout out to Ron G. That, that's big bro. Like, I haven't seen him in fucking eons, but he's one of the cats that even fucking with him was like one of the times where it's like, oh shit, this could be real. Like, behind the door is really like what they say it is. Like, mm-hmm. oh shit. Like, this is around the time when he did We Thugging for Fat Joe. Wow. Whatever year that was. Uh, so, this even, is when the Ron G used to come get me from school and take me up to fucking Yonkers and record in his crib like a, a personal freestyle for whatever mixtape he had coming out.
0: So, you was at doing the time. intros and
1: everything? I was doing the intros wow. and shit.
0: I, I remember Ron and him having the L intros. Word. And then that would go right into the
1: blend. Right into the blend. I was the first DJ that ever fucked with me as far as putting me on the tape. And then um, I ended up meeting Ferris Bueller. After that, like a few years later, um, around the DJ Boom time, DJ Boom used to have these instrumentals. Mm. Um, And and Sycamore too, shout out to Sycamore. Sycamore was a fucking DJ that used to put out instrumental tapes. That's where I feel like J-Arms and those kind of cats got that format from. That came from DJ Boom and Sycamore. So I met DJ Boom downtown on 42nd Street battling curtains. Shout out to wow. Curtis. Shout out to Curtis. That's one of my fucking oldest friends, and um, we battled, and Ferris was there, and from there, Ferris introduced me to Johnny Shipes, mm. when uh, we did Slam From the Streets. That's where I battled Immortal Technique. So my origin comes from battle rap, battle you rap. know what I mean? And you know, growing up with fucking Mook and Rex and, and these guys, like we really come shout from out the to same. Mook too. Yeah, shout out to Mook. We really come from the same neighborhood. A lot of people don't know that. Like we actually like know each other for real. Like before the before the meeting. before the cameras was rolling. Wow,
0: you know what I mean, so yeah. so going through your timeline, it seemed like you kind of made three transitions. To, you know, from hearing the story from you know a writer, and then to a battle rapper. And was well, inter- battle rapper came first. Writer came second. Okay, so battle rapper first, writing second. But the most interesting transition to me is is um, songwriter artist. Hmm. A lot of people can't get out of that lane of battle rap, and it's almost like typecast in the music industry. If you're looked at it as a battle rap, and you're good, they feel like you can't make songs. You can't make songs. Yeah. What, what was the was how was that transition or was that you already had the songwriting but people didn't know it though because you was such a battle rapper I think that's what it was
1: I think people didn't know it and I'm just such a nerd of rap that I stud, I used to study Biggie rewrite Biggie's rhymes with my own mm. rendition and that's what taught me how to fuck how to write bars how to count bars mm. and actually you now I'm not even going to take this credit away from this person Rex was one of the first people that I known In my time, that knew how to make songs, right? And my first studio session, like official studio session, was with Ron Browse. And watching how he created the song taught me a structure how I know, okay, after the 16 bar, that's where the hook comes in. Mm. So it started, I started studying the mechanics of how it should be done, as well as studying. The greats is the greats too because, like I said, I'm a nerd and I love listening to uh, Bad Boy and Rockefeller. I'm a Bad Boy Rockefeller baby, and that taught me structure as well. So I always had the 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 itch to make real music. Not to say battle rap isn't real because that's an art within itself. Especially now, it's at a whole nother level. But um, I always understood structure. And that's why I felt, you know, leaning towards writing for people wasn't far fetched from what I do. Because I study so much styles and so much music that I could tap in to anything. Like, I'm like a chameleon when it comes to things like that, even if it's not for me. Like writing for Sean, I had to study Sean. So, you know, we had a lot of times where we would just have conversations about life where it wasn't about music. Yeah, it was about aspirations and where he wanted to go, but it was more so about his upbringing. Like, you know, what do you like? Like, what do you do? Like, you know, what do you feel about this? Like, you know, how do you feel about how you grew up in Jamaica and your your, your transition to being in America? Just life. And just just, like life, just you know, so life, you know? You got to learn somebody in order to make music for them like you know like yeah they have templates where you know you can hear a song and they could insert this rapper here rap this shit and go ahead but i feel like the best writers with musicians are the the writers that actually understand the artist and know the artist like inside out kind of it's, it's like you know you you have to kind of be that person to to get the best results and i feel like you know at the time um, working with Sean, we got that out because the album went gold.
0: No, I, mean, oh, I my think my first gold plaque. I definitely I, I can see that it's like, like you said, you morph into the whatever the scenario is that your pen have to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, like hearing your story is like your pen morphed into battle rap, and then it went into songwriting, and right. then it went into lyricism in the songwriting, and it, right. it goes, it went a, a lot of different ways, and I, I think a lot of people. Master certain things, but they don't can't morph all the way across. Right. Um, so, which which brings us to like to branding. You know, um, the Smoke Desert brand is it's a it's a well respected brand. It's like it's like American gangster like Coke is a good brand. <laughs> um, and you seem to be very precise, and you have a precise vision for your brand. Do you look at every area of your brand just as important as your music? Absolutely. Because
1: the music is the vessel, okay. but the brand is like that's the the Pepsi Cola, that's the New York Knicks, hmm. that's the you know like it doesn't matter, um as far as the info, like the players in the brand, but the brand is gonna live on its own.
0: And and, and the way I see it, because I, you know like I look at the, the verticals of Dizla, what's make up the brand, and it's it is the music, but then there's the fashion, you know right. I, the the fashion might be better than the bars to me, you know. I mean, but then you have the the, the marijuana world that's just as hot as the bars, right? And and that was like what, what I was trying to get out of the question is everything hmm. that that the smoke desert lanes is 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 top shelf fashion, top shelf, you know, marijuana, top shelf, um, you know, just the aura, and is a lot of people don't have that all hmm. the way across. They'll be like, yo. He's nice, but he can't dress right he's not and it's I see the same and even the wrestling brand, you know right um how do you balance that level of accuracy and high quality across all of those genres? That's crazy because I think um I, I don't even think you ever thought of it like I that. never thought of it like
1: that, but to answer that question, I think it's because I dabbled in every one of those worlds. In a high capacity, and I take pieces of that with me. Like as for the weed, I got introduced to real weed by Shipes Bubs from Purple City. Mm. That's like one of my mentors and one of my partners in the brand that we own with Johnny Shipes Smokers Club. So from knowing what's what in marijuana, with that and going to the West Coast early before. You know people was um getting the packs back this way, and before <laughs> you know people was um married to the the married to bags like as far as you know, you come with a good bag with let's say let's use these guys like runtz, you have a runtz bag mm-hmm. that that bag is worth more than a weed at this point, yeah, like cookies like the cookies tray it's, right a yeah, know, it's a brand you know like for me, you know I come from. The Ziploc bags I come mm. from suppressed turkey bags, so you know i don't I could see past it, but I'm happy that is that because you know now you can brand weed mm. now Got weed you. you know it might not even be what the bag says, and that's that's that it fucks the game up yeah that aspect the of the marketing it. part though. the market but the mark, if you are a smoke dizzer or a currency or whiz Khalifa or you know whoever has a brand that stands on its own, that's just a plus for it that's gotcha. like you know the the fucking the toy comes in an additional item sold separately that's the additional item that's sold separately yeah. gotcha. you know so um so on that aspect of it, you know the marijuana that the wrestling part of it um a super wrestling fanatic. Since I was a kid, this is not something that I just came up on or something that I fell off and got back on it. Like, I was doing it when it wasn't cool, when
0: people was like borderline teasing me, subbing me. So, I'm gonna tell you, I don't even mean to stop because that's a part I don't even put out, but I go back to wrestling deep. I was a Road Warriors fan. With Paul Ellering, Road Warriors. Yeah, the the original Road Warriors. The original Animal Animal Hawk, with Paul Ellering. Exactly. Mm -hmm. When they was fighting Dusty Rhodes doing the belly to belly suplex, and I remember me and my brother, what's um T Magnum? Magnum T. Magnum TR. That's when I was watching wrestling. That's back crazy. Then. I That's NWA. It was we used to literally go to the store on on Merrick Boulevard, right near J and S Pizza, get the cardboard boxes, walk back to 221st and 130th. Make the belt. Make the ring first. We made we made the ring. We was going to make the ring because had to because we didn't want to wrestle in the street. It was like, look, you gonna run all behind the car and like, nah, we right. need some. We need a we need a, a like an area that you gotta stay in. Then we went back and made the belts, uh-huh. but and we had to. We used to take the Reynolds wrap, put it we over did the all the
1: bro. We did all of that shit too. That's the funniest part. Put the That's saying. Cheese
0: it. and then take the rubber bands. And tie them around the back so you can put oh, the so belt you can on. strap the belt on. On, like, uh, so we, we yeah, because we we was like, yo, nah, we got to wear the belt. Like, we really want. to. See, we wasn't even thinking that far. Yeah, I was, I was. We woke. just wanted to throw the belt over the shoulder and just and walk in. just come in. down the aisle, yeah, nah, we wanted, we wanted to wear the belts and it. But, yeah, that's how far like we was. That's crazy. And the cars was the top rope. Like, the, the bumper. The bumper. Yeah, we used to <laughs> get on the car and then jump off the bumper. And that was the ropes. Like, we used to always make sure that the cardboard was near the car. So, then you could throw them off <laughs> the So, you could throw car, a nigga off the car. <laughs> that's a good jump one. jump off the bumper. But, that's um, a good one. Yeah, nah. It's it's funny to see, you know, like. And, like, that's how I look at a lot of people and what they do. It's like, wow, nah. This, the wrestling thing. That's connected to this is a brand is a part of his brand, right? Um, and and also the the crew of people in hip hop that you run with, right? Is from you know from Wale, I know I know I knew even Fab and his son being mm-hmm. a lot of wrestling mm-hmm. matches, mm-hmm. of course the Griselda family, mm-hmm. like how how did. That happened. How, how did that commodity come together with the wrestling through hip hop? And not not currently because I, I think like no, we know we knew we see the you, the Griselda, and the Wale in the current day. But for you getting in hip hop at an early age, was it artists back then? Yeah, you, I remember. Um,
1: I remember WCW did this um this wrestling and rap fusion at one point in the locks did something for them. Wow. And then I remember um WWE had this this uh tape that they did, they own rendition. I think it, the name of it was Aggression. Mm-hmm. And um I think Mino had did something for the Undertaker at that time. Like Dame Grease had produced it or some shit like that. Like So back then, you know, and they was like flipping the entrance shit. Entrance music. Same thing. That's the format that I got that I do ringside with. Like I do this series every WrestleMania. WrestleMania Sunday, I drop it, it's called Ringside. And me and one eighty third, shout out to one eighty third. He re he's a um producer from the Bronx. If anyone that doesn't know, he redo he redo the the entrance music and flip it, throw drums on it, make it hip hoppy. And I do my smoke does a thing on it. And you know, we're at the eighth instalment of it right now. But um It's really popular, and it, it turned into something that people look forward to annually as WrestleMania tradition, so we made ourselves a part of WrestleMania as far as doing that. So, you know, being cool and, like, tying it in my brand is just, like... It's kind of second nature. Second nature. It's like rap is like wrestling, you know, even with the whole Kush God shit. That's like The Rock. You know, like I Mm. speak of myself in third person at my shows. I come out with belts. I have fucking the Winged Eagle Hulk Hogan belt. And then (laughs) I have the WCW Hulk Hogan belt that has RFC spray painted on it. That's my brand. And Hulk Hogan actually autographed the belt for me. Wow! So, you know, that's one of my show props. So, you know, I take my spiel. And my knowledge of wrestling and my favorite wrestlers like The Rock's and the Chris Jericho's, the guys that knew how to reinvent themselves and, and make it brand new all the time, but still
0: be themselves. So basically, yeah. you looked at the wrestling game and said, "I'm taking pages out of that and connect it beyond yeah. the just throwing the names and the rhymes, but just the reinventing of characters, um, showmanship, fashion, and." and I, d- I never heard that. That's like a, that's an original take
1: on it. Yeah, that's my analogy for it, you know? And, and I have love for the sport as for the art. Like, you know, it's scripted as far as, you know, what we see on television. But you have to be a real athlete and really have some type of knowledge and structure as far as, you know, telling that story, wrestling, to have an audience and somebody like me engaged. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a fan of that, too, because that's... The technicality of it is something that an ordinary
0: person yeah ordinary do. person can't do you those know? moves. I mean, yeah. like I remember it was moves just us as kids. A finger, four leg, like could hurt you. It could hurt you. A yeah. sleeper
1: hole can kill you. A DDT, a DDT can, can kill really you. kill you. So. You feel me? Like, but you have to really know how. To, you know they protect each other. And yeah, so they, they won't. So they won't. won't hurt but you either. know, it's been times where that protection wasn't
0: there. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um. All right. So now. If it was a wrestling name, if Smoke Dizzer was a wrestler, you I am not taking the answer of Smoke Dizzer. Nah. But what would the wrestler name be? If you had the if you could start the new <laughs> wrestling career tomorrow, what's the name? I'm gonna
1: spin off my favorite wrestler and I'm gonna be Hollywood Smoke Hogan. Wow.
0: Yeah. Hollywood Smoke Hogan. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my aliases. That sounds like yeah. the strand. Yeah. <laughs> the Hollywood Smoke Hogan. Um so cool. So now to keep it, keep it on the brands, because like I said, there's a lot of jewels coming out. And like like I explained before, I, I feel it's a combination of cultures that make up your brand. And so, to me, y'all had the Woodstock of the weed concerts. You know, I was, I think that's where I first, didn't meet you, but I, I, I got introduced to a lot of your stuff. Um, the Smokers Club, I've I, I seen it, it's coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all, y'all did something around the holidays yeah. with yep. Benny. Yep. But what what was that like how did it what made how did that come together and and, and like you said it was it was you, Shice, and Johnny was like those three strong pillars of the trinity right um of that type of show and it, it was so it was it was it reminded me of like all those like it's kind of before it's time actually you know I think y'all might have been seven seven years too early ten years too early yeah so how did how did that come about like what made y'all be like you know what? It's time.
1: Well, I think um, you know we're well, all of us having our own individual influence in the culture, and you know all being um, family and doing business for years, and and the weed being the engine of it. Um, it just makes sense, you know. Um, for when we started it, it started as an idea on Johnny Shipes' um, roof rooftop because we. Yeah, smoking weed, summertime, talking shit, yo, and it spun into a South by Southwest show Mm -hmm. where we had me, Currency, Crit, Wiz Khalifa, Kendrick Lamar, J. Rock, Devin. It was the show was breaking artists, like it was you know literally breaking people. Yeah, and this is the end of two thousand nine, two thousand early two thousand ten, I want to say, where you know we all started to emerge. With, I don't even want to call it we rap, but um, with, with the lifestyle rap. Because I mm-hmm. feel like all my guys, like <clears throat> the Wizards, Currencies, Crits, like we all are who we are. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like a facade. It's not like, an act. It's, not an act. Yeah. it's like, you know. And we got famous and made money off being who we are. And just highlighting that. To the a hundredth power mm-hmm. and and I could speak for myself, I probably didn't do it to the max yet yeah. for whatever reason, but um but you know my my brothers are already home as mm-hmm. far as you know they made their fucking stamp and still making their stamp yeah, totally. right now yep. but um you know and i'm I'm approaching that mark to to arriving but um you know, we we got we got hot off being
0: us. I think you know, the game of the marijuana business is not in the east yet. It's, right. You know, um, just being around hip hop for all these years, being the seeing the artists bringing back all these before it was strands, whatever the word was, mm-hmm. bringing new weeds back to the east coast. And mm-hmm. I still still just learning. You know, the east coast is still learning grow houses. You got to think houses grow houses was in the west. Right, forever. Oh, just, you know, East Coast cat didn't even know where the grow house was. But think about it: how it's connected. How are you gonna have a grow house in a three hundred square foot apartment? It's impossible.
1: Yeah, like you know. And then if you're not plugged in, you'll probably never see that in life unless you you buy high times magazines or when you at the newsstand, taking a train, you like yo, let me see that magazine, and you skimming through it. But that's you know, it's not the real experience. Totally. I yeah. think
0: I think the Smokers Club taught a lot of people about weed. You know, from a different experience. I remember coming to the show. It was like kind of one of the first shows I went to that was branded that had the smell in the air like that. I was like, yo, no, this is. You know, I used to go near the stage or backstage. But right. Smokers Club, it was, people was really not, they like, yo, I'm not going to go to a show called This.
1: And not and smoke weed? Yeah. That's like an oxymoron. Like, even sometimes, you know, some venues, I don't know if they thought that that was just the name. But, you know, <laughs> they would be like, you can't smoke in here. And we'll be like, ah, all right. See how that works. And then, you know, it, it, it sucks because for us, we're we, we going to break the rules. Obviously, you know, um, me, I'm not going to go as far as to break the rules to fuck my bag up. Mm-hmm. Like, if they like yo, smoke, if you light up a blunt we cutting this shit off. You're not getting your back in. Yeah, they're gonna, I might not smoke. Yeah, totally. You know, and I'm gonna, I'm. but I'm still gonna give you that experience like we doing that and I'm still gonna give you my whole smoke a routine and then I'll be like, you know, at the end of the show, yeah, meet me outside, man. We could burn as much as you want. You know, whatever. But
0: business we still business.
1: wrap that in. Yeah. But, you know, to, to answer the question, I think not only did Smokers Club introduce um, the fans to, to what weed is or the experience, but us as artists Mm. introduce fans people to what's good and what's not. Like I feel like that's what look that's what people look to me, spitter and whiz for as to what's good and what's not with marijuana. Because um you know certain things that's just like we just don't fuck with. And then there's certain things that it's like okay it's a go and then we got our own preferences with what we would prefer. But, you know, I think um you know we we took the weed shit to another level. Um I agree. You know, our forefathers that we still salute, you know, um Red Meth. Red Meth, Snoop, Snoop yeah. B Rail. Yep, totally. You, you know, like they they bought it to the level to make it cool. And acceptable. And acceptable. Yeah. And then we took it and made it a business.
0: And 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 a brand and because a brand. because I think yeah. for the uh, for the OGs they kind of it was always solo entities and solo brands. You mm-hmm. looked at Snoop by himself, you know, and I think that might have started from Bob Marley. It was a fact, you know, it was a solo entity type thing, and then y'all packaged it, you mm-hmm. know, together. And um, for me personally, I, I always looked at you as, you know, Bob is great. Snoop is great. Even Wiz is great and Spit is great, but it's the realm of New York that brings something different. Like that I like I said, you haven't I don't see, think that you have even came to that level yet. It's like of really taking weed in New York City because there's no weed in New York City is always just people smoke, but you're the first person that being said, nah, this is smoke, there's a and he's from New York. So it's a it's a a great trajectory, I think, for your future. Yeah. um, Which brings me to one of my next um, questions is, so the weed is a very important pillar of the Smoke Desert brand, which we know. And with weed making its way being legal on the East Coast, is there plans in your future vision of seeing how, like, this is how the Smoke Desert brand expands?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're already working on that. The whole, you know, the end goal is to be compliant and you know, to to be legal weed dispensers, mm-hmm. um, to to be able to have our weed in different dispensaries across the globe, and um, you know, <clears throat> and be in that in that world of things where it's not black market, or it's not you know, yeah, black market because that's the only way even how we even how we get weed and promote weed and how we do it now, you know. For the brands that's doing it, for most of them now, they're compliant. You know, like a run. So, like, you know, these brands that live in a cookie store and live in the green door and all these other dispensaries. But then, you know, before that, before turning the brands, it was just, you know, people could say something to something and it might not be that. Before you got the bag that said X, Y, Z on it. You know, like, people could give me some something that, that they think is sour and it's fucking, I don't know, cherry pies, some other shit like that. But this, you know, that's just where Brandon comes in and Mm -hmm. just knowing and, you know, being around the bin enough to know, okay, well, this is not that. I had the luxury to be around Green Thumbs and and botanists Mm -hmm. and growers and, you know, shit is such that these niggas is weed snobs for real. So they really introducing me to to, to different strains and telling me, oh, yo, that's not flush right, and that doesn't look. Oh, that's a horrible trim job. I would have fired him. Like, (laughs) you know, like, shit like those is the conversations I'm in. Not like, you know, um, what's that or what's that? Just, you know, being schooled about what this shit really is and how much THC is
0: in it. And it's like, you know, same way how I study rap, I study weed. So It's funny that you you say that it's I think you always like throw me the alley up to go into the next mode of the the conversation and um you know from talking to about your wrestling to the, from the music to the wrestling into the to the weed world it's the comparison to me is the same way you put together a body of work like you're one of the most skillful pens that I've ever heard of and like like thank as you. an MC for myself thank you um but it's a it's a level where it goes from making songs, making music, writing bars to putting a body of work together. Right. And, you know, for me it's like, you know, um the Don't Smoke Rock Project, you know, um, musical. And and then the second part I'll get into is the musical level of you I feel is an A and R. And I feel mm. certain Ross is an A and R. You know, a certain artist that are A and R but they don't even get called that or get looked at it because they get looked at. Um, for just the lyrics. You know, the the Not For Sale project, um, Statue of Limitations, and then even the the last Currency project. It's it's two realms of Dizza to me, but they're both put together great bodies of work. And the Pete Rock one, that was one of the first ones I. I besides, cause you got you got like two short versions of mixtapes. You probably got thousands. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's too much mixtape. Yeah, you did too right. many mixtapes. <laughs> I can't, I'm not even getting to the mixtape, man. I don't know. You and yes. Short probably got the most mixtape. Shout out to Short. Nah, and currency, <laughs> currency got way more mixtapes. Yeah, curr- than yeah. Me. currency. Yeah. But I, you know, I wasn't always up on currency till later. But but far as from because I was just always an East Coast dude. Right, right, right. But your mixtape catalog is probably you could probably put it in an old school milk crate. Like, I could, I like, could, like records. I could, I could, I could. <laughs> but you know, being able to listen to an MC and being able to get in that car and go from two to eight is rare now. You know, right. it's just it's just it's been rare a long time. You know, people could name those albums. They would be like Midnight Marauders, the Score. Right. You know, shook ones. You know, but it is and I always get a great body of work when it comes to you. What is the what's the process you go through by putting together bodies of work? Like it's tedious. Um you know I
1: I've been blessed with the air to choose beats. And I'm not like a hype beast for a name. Like I would at one point I, I went to YouTube and I put smoke does a tight beat. Shout out to Steve. Steve was like, uh, "Yo, get on um, get on YouTube and put smoke does a tight beat. I bet you be find something dope. Fucking make these kids lives right now." I'm like, "All right, cool. Get on there." One joint that I picked that was on there was a joint called Blunted that I put on um a mixtape I did called George Cush. Um, the button two don't pass Trump the blunt. And um. And Joey ended up doing some additional vocals on there. I didn't even credit it for him because it was just like, it wasn't even enough to do that on it. And he was just in the studio like, yo, oh, I got something for this. I'm like, I put it down. And that ended up being one of my bigger songs. People love it. Um, uh, another song, The Joint With Me And Joey, Wagons. That was a smoke dizzle type beat. So just, you know, it's a tedious it's a tedious process and and choosing beats is, is one of them. Like, just knowing what works for me, what works for my voice. And um, I always have a concept of, of what I'm doing. Like, um, what works for me and, and why I feel like I'm probably still relevant as an artist is because I live in the times. Yeah, I live in the future as well as far as my vision. But I live. I live enough to put it in music and I know how to articulate it. And mm. I know I know how to feel the climate of what's going on. So sometimes they might not be ready for what I'm going through because that might not be the temperature of what somebody wants to hear. Not maybe the experience, but sonically, how can I get this off? Mm. So, you know, for me, like, we might even have a conversation of this briefly just, like, just on gentrification. Like, before it was cool or before people had a word for it, like I was already aware what gentrification was, and I already had the a, understanding of it. A understanding of it, and I wanted to to put out a project where I was embracing that and really shedding light on that. But it wasn't the time for that, so I knew that. So that turned into not for sale, gotcha. right? So not for sale for me at the time was you know I was learning the business with bumping my head really hard and making mistakes. And I said to myself, you know, once I'm done with this, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I can be bought to where I don't have any leverage. So I'm like, you know, this is my motivation. This is what I'm going to use as the vessel to, to run this next project. So, you know, to answer the question and putting together projects is I, I use what I'm going through at the time, um, I'm always going for what's hot with air candy, music wise, and you know I'm always gonna deliver top notch bars and have the right features. Whether it be you know somebody that I really appreciate the craft of, that I just hear them on this, or you know whatever's going on at the time that I you know I could get to. That's dope. I'll fuck with that too because you know a lot of this shit, this music shit, is a business and. When you do for artists that collab with artists, like you you share fans, you know. Trading, you don't even it's trading. It's not even stealing. It's like, you know, you wanna share a base with some of these guys. These guys wanna share a bass with you if you have a base, you know. Yeah. So for me, I've been blessed to create a base that it's not like somebody doing me a favor to do a record with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've done records with the top of the top and with records with niggas that
0: Nobody knows.
1: Nobody knows, no. but you know it, it is what it is. I think mean, I didn't work with Kendrick Lamar at you know at the beginning. Like I didn't work with Ross. I didn't work with fucking the list goes on. Was on. Rocky at the beginning. Like I was the first person to give ASAP Rocky a feature. Yeah, he was on the tour. You feel me? That was how it it all began. And you know I live by that. I'm always the one to you know lean on the, the newer artists before they get where they gotta go because. I could see it. And, you know, most of them, they come back. Of course. And, you know, that's how the buddy system continues to go and go. So that's a part of my resilience and the reason that I'm still around for today. But, you know, that's also how I create
0: my projects, too. So From from a fan perspective, just to tell you how I, I, you know, what makes me a fan on the musical side, after I get past the lyrics and the bars, which is already what it is without having to talk about that. It's the um, essence of real music. Your, your selection of track picking is um, very different. You know, it's, it, it reminds me of jam sessions and hmm. music that's not almost hip-hop culture that's turned into a hip-hop beat. Hmm. You know, a lot of beats I hear you rhyme on, I'll be like, what made them pick that? Or the average artist would not go try to rhyme on that and um you know it's it's a very musical aspect I get from you you know that's why the Pete Rock made sense and I was like whoa and that was i think like 1615 right. so and I was like okay he's to me you tap into music first not, not tracks and it's like it's almost like you're you're picking tracks of almost a live band mm-hmm. but sounding hip hop and that's that's what I I feel like that always ties your music together cuz it's really A musical project and not a track project. Right. Because, I
1: mean, the second part of delivering the music is performing it. So I always want to make shit that I could do with a live band, that I could Mm. do in the arena, that I could really perform this shit and really, you know, that's an art too. Like, a lot of niggas can make good music, but a lot of niggas can't perform. You go to these performances, they rapping over two tracks, you know what I mean, They over, over the song, like... Or, or just not being able to keep up. You know what I mean? Like, I'm writing my shit. I'm learning it to perform it. And I'm writing it with the with the mind, with the thought process of, all right, whether it's 50 people, 500, 5,000, I'm going to go rock this shit. And they're going to be able to understand what I'm trying to come across. You might understand it better
0: seeing me perform it. You know what I mean? It might give you a whole nother perspective. Plus the music sounds different at performance. Right. And, and I think a lot of the tracks you select sound bigger probably Absolutely. Like. Especially the Pete Rock joints. Because for one,
1: Pete is a legend. Of course. And, shout and out to Pete. Shout out to Pete Rock. And
0: Incredible Hulk because you know
1: yeah. he want that. Shout it out. <laughs> yeah, Pete is a legend and Pete, Pete knows what he wants his shit to sound like. Yeah. Before the artists get on Before the, even, you know, probably still mad at me. But I'm gonna tell this story because it's <laughs> cause fuck it. Like, even to how a record is mixed, right? Like, Pete wants the shit to sound a certain way. It could sound good to me and you, right? And me and you might think it's it's perfect, but Pete is such a perfectionist that he will find the flaw. In the record, in the record, he
0: wants to find the flaw.
1: He wants to find the flaw. You feel me? Because yeah. he's that great. He's a scientist. He's a scientist. He's he's that great. And and you know, with me being an artist, and I know how I want my shit to sound. You know, even even though this is motherfucking the grand. This is the grand wizard. wizard. It's like nigga, no. But this, I this it sounds good this way. I know what you want, but that's not what I want. But at the same time, you know, agree to disagrees. It still makes it classic shit. But when at he get s- finished with it, when dude. he get finished with it, you know, you you gonna get
0: exactly what you looking for. Yo, Shout out to Pete. I love you, nigga. Pete, I used to go back. I was I used to. Well, I don't even know if you know this. I used to make beats. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, me and Pete used to have sessions at Green Street Studios. I actually produced. A, it was I was producing for Last Emperor at the time. I did two tracks on his album, and Pete had the room next door. And um, I used to, I would come in there, we'll get our four to six hours, because that's all Rocker's budget was at that time. Mm -hmm. And Pete would be in there (laughs) 12, 14 hours mixing, working on records. And I used to, we would leave and come back the next day sometimes, and (coughs) Pete's still in there. But um, yeah, nah, Pete is is incredible. Yeah, bad man, man. So, Def, with making that body of music, you work with a lot of people. It'd be a lot of the right features and good features. And a lot of... Everybody I talk to about Smoke Dizz is like, you're like the president of the Good Dude Club. <laughs> um, how do you keep up in in this day and age, you know? And you got friends in a lot of different places and regions. How do you... How do you... You know, the, the relationships, that's what it's all about. Right. But, and I feel, like I said, you have... Those different pillars under your brand of the wrestling squad, you got your weed squad, you got your fashion squad, right? You got your um, your rap squad. How do you, how do you balance it? How do you keep, you know, keep the that? Because everybody who's on that smoke there's a squad. And you were like seven squad? You're like Wolverine. <laughs> you know, he was, he's an X Men. He, he was guest star in the Avengers. Yeah. And how, how today, like, how do you balance all those relationships? Um, that's a good question, man. I think because they
1: all kind of tie into each other some kind of way. Like you, me, <laughs> yeah. I'm the bridge for sure. But you know, a lot of my rap friends want to be friends with a lot of my fucking wrestling friends, and some of my weed friends want to be friends with my. Wrestling, front of my <laughs> like it's like you know, and I'm like the bridge. Like one day I could fucking be like, fucking I don't even want to say, but well, he ain't over there anyway. But Pete Davidson, that's the homie. Like I'll be backstage with Pete Davidson, rolling fucking smoking weed while he's going over his jokes. But and now, then I'm with fucking Westside in Buffalo time. eating at Leonardi's. So it's like you know. I guess it's just the weed brings this, a lot of this shit together. I want to be honest because the weed is like the common denominator, common denominator in a lot
0: of this shit. So, but to me, well, I'm looking at it. That's great to know the weed is, but it's it's the in a, in today's world of non communication almost. Oh well, like, keep... how do you you know like the, is like a lot of people texting, but it's you a personable person. People I, I know from knowing you, people will like you around. Yeah, and and. To balance relationships, is, is very, very hard. Different levels of people, like, how do you really maneuver through that? See, a lot of us is
1: like-minded, so we ain't got to talk every day for us to know what time it is. Mm. You know, we don't never really lose track. And, you know, sometimes I might, I might even have the roadblock, like, nah, I'm not going to hit this nigga up. He too busy. Oh, well, I know he busy. Niggas might not be doing shit. I just FaceTime Wiz and Wiz answer, and it's... Yo, what's up, man? What the fuck you doing? I ain't doing shit, man. You know, and it's just like Like regular shit. So you know, like we, it's a brotherhood at the end of the day. So you know, niggas live a real life, man. And and we always check in with each other just to see what's going on. Even if I don't fucking be the one to reach out, a nigga reach out to me, and it's like, you, how you doing? You feel me? Like what's up? I ain't seen you post on Instagram in a little while. You right? Yeah. You know what I mean So I think we keep up Social media wise Cause that's a way that You could talk to somebody Without talking to them Cause if you really want to know What's going on with somebody Check You can check The social right media Really tell it It tells it It tells it all So I mean um, I, I don't know I think I maintain Them relationships By just you know Reaching out Every now and then Randomly Like not wanting nothing. Like I don't be reaching out When I want something I just reach out Just to Shoot the shit Send a text. Yo, my nigga, good energy. You I hope everything good. I mean, like, whatever. Like, simple shit. And, you know, I think people fuck with me because when they need me, I show up. Yeah. That, you know, you, you need me, I ain't cool. Like, you need me to do something, I ain't cool. It's, it's nothing to pass the plug for me. Like, I'm not a nigga that's holding on the plugs. I'm not a nigga that's, like, trying to block. I love connecting my my brothers together. I love niggas getting money. You know what I mean. I'm not a hater. I'm not a jealous nigga. So niggas don't view me as a threat like that. So that's why niggas fuck with me because I'm not coming with that malice. Mm-hmm. Niggas, I'm coming with all good energy.
0: It's all, it's all love. So, and and yeah. and and it's hearing that it's like. <clears throat> so it is. It's the opposite the yin the yang, and yang to everything. And when life gets in your way of your music and your career, what is like? What is your strength to get back to yourself? Because to me, I, this is the guy that keeps a lot up. You know, I, I, I can sense that in in the realm of music and life. But you know, what is that that be like? Okay, I need to I need to get my strength back. Man, prayer
1: number one, and having therapy through people that I respect, mm. even you. Like it's been times like. It's no secret to a lot of people that know me. Like, the last two years been super hard for me. Like, I've been going through mad shit with my family. Like, as far as, you know, my parents being sick. Like, you know, even, you know, the relationship in my household. Like, everything's been topsy-turvy for me. And it's been hard to stay afloat and keep a straight face. And, you know, like you said, like, people look for me for the good energy. So, like, for me, when I'm battling with depression and anxiety and I'm like not ready to be outside I just go into my own little corner pray talk to the people that walk me out of it subconsciously that give me good energy through conversation and motivation you know what I mean they might not know that they giving me at the time and you know I'm thankful for that too but I think you know that's what Gets me, that's what gives me the strength To like, okay, I'm ready to go back Outside, I'm ready to even Be on Instagram, because When you're on Instagram, I was saying this the other day It's like an open for business sign So as soon as you post Everybody will feel Everybody will remember that, oh, okay I can hit him and ask him, what's going on I can hit him and see what's up, I can hit him and tell him Yo, I need a verse, or yo, what's up with this Or yo, what's up with that, or yo You know, and when I'm not on Instagram my phone don't ring that much. And it, 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 the selective times it does ring and it's special people, I hold that near to me because we in the era that social media is life. Yeah. And that ain't life for me. You feel me? So it, It's
0: crazy. I had a, um, a saying. I, I came up with it the other day. It's Growing up, a picture was worth a thousand words. Now the picture's worth a thousand likes. A, thousand lies. Lies. a no. thousand lies and a thousand uh, likes. Yeah, but, it, but everybody ain't even getting a thousand to be lucky so uh, pretty much coming to the end of the segment man um, you know a lot. I think a lot of the listeners didn't get a lot of advice from your, your journey you know it's, y'all need to rewind it and listen to it again yeah but what was the time that you got some advice in your life that really changed your life and you listened to it like can you remember a time um shit it's been many times man But I think one thing that
1: stood out to me from a lot of people that's close to me was boss up. And bossing up don't mean jewelry. Bossing up don't mean money. It does, but it doesn't. It means mindset. So, like, you know, you could block everything that comes with that mentally before it even comes to you not being ready. So, like, I had to get my business right. I had to get my credit right. I had to get my whole mentality right as far as, all right, you have to think future and not think now. As far as, you know, you might not need to take this advance and lock yourself into some situation that you might not see a back end ever. Or you might have to fight for that. Or, you know, you got to hope these guys are honest enough to give you what you're owed. Instead of you know having your business right, being having the leverage to do it yourself, hire help that has percentages in your shit, and know how to monetize your catalog and, and that's something that I had to learn from bumping my head so I think um hearing boss boss up and you know take your career serious was that was something that stuck and you know I heard it in many harsh ways like I think Dame. Damon, my Dame Dash might have been the one to to really give me harsh reality at a time where I probably didn't want to hear it and <clears throat> hurt my feelings a little bit for me to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes you can hear something from people that you respect and people close to you that really wasn't on it. That really ain't been on the top of the mountain for real, for real, mm-hmm. right? And then when you hear from somebody else that was on the top of the mountain, that's still on the top of the mountain in life, right? It sticks, yeah, because it's like, all right, cool, you ain't gonna listen to these niggas, but no matter what they say about this nigga, you seen this nigga on him. You he knows what it takes to make it to the mountaintop. He knows what that is. So you know if you're not gonna take this advice, then you might as well just quit.
0: Oh, that's that's fact
1: <laughs> You know what I mean So hearing it harshly from him Hearing it from, from Johnny Hearing it from Steve Hearing it from Cam You feel me Like Different people Like you know that shit That shit Spark a fire in you So
0: Yeah Nah well my, There's a thank you man for the, for the time You know what I mean the, the, the stories through the journey Like I said I learned a lot From just You know Understanding, you know, your journey, how all of it ties together, from a brand perspective, protecting your brand, and just a lot of the ingredients that you took from the things you like, putting it back into your craft, so you can enjoy the things you like from being building it, such a, as a success to be here today, man. Thank you, man, Thank for coming you for on for me, big
1: bro. Thank you.